Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, this is Jonathan Alexander with Brooks Cabina with another episode of Texas Sports Nation. Well, uh, Brooks, my allergies are killing me, so I probably sound stuffy. You look like you've been up for the past 26 hours. Um, <laughs> I guess the Texans will do that to us, you know? A little bit. A little <laughs> so, bit. The only remaining winless team in the NFL, they earned that bright distinction after another loss this time to the Chargers 34-24 and much more of the same I think uh, you just saw it flip-flop right they played terribly in the first half and then played well in the third in the early part of the fourth quarter and then of course we saw what happened Um, you know they didn't score that touchdown on that one series where they could have went up where it was 27-21 and they could have went up and that was all the Chargers needed. Well, what were your initial takeaways? Yeah, I mean, this was a potential blowout from the beginning, and it was 21 nothing, and it felt like the Los Angeles Rams game last year where Matt Stafford sat out the whole fourth quarter. It felt like that was going to be what was happening. It it, it looked like the 20, 2021 Texans had reentered the building. A lot of the same issues, the defense looked bad and lost at times. And even after the game, uh, it just seems like those two drives, The uh, it looked like the Chargers changed up a bit what they were doing. I think when Cooks got his touchdown, they were running a bit uh, cover four at the top. So it's like, you know, the defense adapts to what it's doing with a, a multiple touchdown lead and all of a sudden things tighten up. And then the offensive line, it's just so confusing. Whenever towards the end of the game, the offensive line that looks pretty good for most of it uh, ends up making up big mistakes whenever they need to. I can't even blame Mills for the sack fumble there because uh, that really came through uh, Kenyon Green just in a split second, uh, who also was flagged for holding on a third and eight. It seems like all the plays that Mills makes or has the opportunity to make, it's just an opportunity or something like everything goes wrong and not just his. So, I mean, it's another week. Um where you start wondering how they can change things offensively. And I, it's pretty clear, Jonathan, I wanted to ask Lovey Smith about, you know, how much he felt confident in Mills and see if there was any change that him and Pep Hamilton have had to go to maybe Kyle Allen, a quarterback change. And that, that's, he made it clear that there's not going to be a quarterback change They're They're very, he's been consistent about Davis Mills. He's uh, that was part of the reason why he wanted Pep Hamilton and advocated for him to be the play caller. Cause he was there with him last year. Um, and even though some of the logic may not go through, cause he said, well, Mills was one of those was the guy who helped bring them back, but you know, he was the guy that got him in trouble at the beginning. But what's clear is they're, they're riding with this offense. Lovey Smith is riding with Mills. He's riding with Hamilton and they've got to figure it out. And I mean, when we look at these games coming up, I mean, you mentioned it, they're the win, the only winless team in the NFL. Where can they get a win? Yeah, man. I let's see. Jaguars. I think that's a loss. Raiders, maybe. 
uh, Raiders struggle, even Raiders though they got playing. their they, they finally got their first win. Um, you know, Titans, I, I see that being a loss too. Eagles are playing well. Giants, Commanders might be their first opportunity, and it might be one of the few opportunities they have because the Commanders, I think, are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, you know, they haven't figured out the quarterback long term. I know they got Carson Wentz, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that's going to work out. So that might be the only opportunity. You know, back to uh, you know the Davis Mills and Kyle Allen thing. You know, I I agree with that decision. You know, I don't think there's much of a point to play Kyle Allen because I mean, let's be honest, this team's not built for the playoffs. Um, you know, they're built for the future, and and you never know. They might not be able to get a quarterback in next year's draft, and they may have to deal with Davis Mills. So, well, right now they're picked to pick number one overall, and they it, would have their choice of whoever they wanted. Yeah, and and they're definitely going in that direction. I don't think they'll be the last place finish team, though. I think there are. I think the Commanders are very bad. I think there's some other teams like the Panthers. <laughs> Panthers, they're getting worse by the week. I think that's going to tumble. I mean, it's still a chance. Like, you never know what Nick Casario might do. I think, um, you know, the fact that Davis Mills is still young and still has time to develop and did show a few good things there in that last game. I'd be, I I criticized him in one of my stories earlier this week, so I'd be remiss not to point out that during that third quarter, he was impressive. Uh, I think you even wrote about it. He went 9 or 10 for 161 yards during the period and had a touchdown. I mainly outlined that because – it, not not so much as a compliment as much as it was outside of that. He had 85 yards for the most of the game. And in those situations, they're bound, down by two touchdowns, defense playing them differently. Yeah. And all of a sudden in the clutch and whenever they need him at the beginning, I mean, that first drive, whenever he, I know he was hit when he threw the ball, but that interception ends up being costly over the course of the game. Mills has now thrown four interceptions in the past two games. He's, he's up, he's throwing it further. Um, he's getting some looks downfield. That that's that's an improvement, but um, and it's not just Mills in these situations. It's and I wrote about this. It's I think they have just they they have an identity crisis because they say they're one thing and they do another. Whenever they say they're a run oriented team and they they build around the offense in a way that supports Damian Pierce, who had 134 yards on a 75 yard touchdown run. When it was fourth and one and you have the game on the line, who's your best guy? Yeah, and he's on the sideline. That's inexcusable. And Lovey Smith, after two days of thinking about it, has remained to say that, you know, Rex Burkhead was the guy that they felt should be in there. And it was since it was a pass play, they felt like if it was executed better, they didn't block Khalil Mack on the play. And even without it, I looked at it there. I don't really see where the play's going, but they decided that that's the best play for the team where Damian Pierce has picked up a lot of yards in that situation. Even if you're saying the defense is going to be ready for a run, who are they more going to think you're going to run with, Damian Pierce or Rex Burkhead? There's just a lot of curious things about the way they're formatting their offense. This is not a team whose strength is going four wide, which they you know do very rarely, and their three wide receiver situations mostly uh, end up being short passes. This is a team that's constructed in a run-oriented sense. So, I mean, that's mostly where you look at you look at those numbers in the inside. That wasn't so much that you know Davis Mills is capable of throwing the ball deep now. We know that. But that's more showing at the beginning of the game and at the end of the game 
the scheme or whatever the plan is isn't dictated that way. I mean, Davis Mills said that long touchdown to Nico Collins, they run that a lot in practice, and they've only run it two or three times throughout the year. That tells me two things. One, they either don't have the opportunity in the game because whatever they're doing in the run game or whatever else, the defense, it just doesn't open up so Pep can't call it, or they're not willing to call it or haven't constructed their game plan around that, which also is confusing. So that that's really where I was what I was looking at in those situations. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't saying that's what your story was focused on. I was just saying you brought that point up, which I didn't notice initially. You know, just from the outset, I, I thought that that part, the fact that Davis Mills was able to do that, kind of showed me more than what I had saw because before then I was okay. I was ready to say, oh y'all need to, and y'all need to do something about this immediately. But he showed like he can do some things, like he is capable of doing some things, and and maybe he can, you know, hold the, you know, hold the ship right until you find that right quarterback. But you know, going back to your point about. Um, you know, Damian Pearson, keeping him on the bench. You know, we, we talked about this, you know, earlier. You know, I, I thought it, I still think it was the wrong decision that not have Damian Pierce on that fourth and one situation, even if you wanted to pass. Having Damian Pierce in the game at that situation um, is a good thing because, you know, teams don't know whether you're going to run or pass. I think with Rex Burkhead in the game, we knew that they were going to pass. And yes, the play broke down, but. Rex Burkhead didn't give you the better chance to get that first down on that fourth down play. So I think it's little small things like that that kind of irk me. Um, you know, some details like the fourth and two, like they should have stopped that. They had multiple opportunities. Um, those critical situations, that's where you take over the game. I thought the special teams put them in a beautiful position to win that game. And, and overall, you know, neither side, offense or defense, did enough to win that game. And I think that's a problem. I think it takes time to learn how to win those games. I've looked at past teams, and, um, you know, I just don't think the Texans are ready to overcome those troubles. I, I don't think they're a, a exactly terrible team, but they just don't know how to win yet. And, they don't, and, again, they don't have the talent enough to overcome a lot of those kind of deficiencies they have. So – so something you said a couple of minutes ago where you said that you don't think this team is you know built to win right now and they can just ride with Mills, that would be contradictory to what their entire offseason and their training camp and what they've said. That's why I kind of the premise of wondering where they are with Mills because he's played bad enough to where he could be benched. There are scenarios where you look at other teams where they have made changes to go to a backup. And I'm not saying – and Kyle Allen, you bring him in as a backup – who has been a starter in other places. I'm not saying he's trying to be like no one else has signed him to be their starter in other places, but to insist that Mills is your guy throughout the year, you're, you're showing one, you're being patient with him, but also a long-term focus for the future. When you're the message there is kind of strange when you're trying to see who's, who's, you know, going to give you a chance to win here. And I, I I don't know if his performance from start to finish in games so far has been there, um, but I mean, I, I I I'm I was just curious to see how committed they were to him, and it seems very very much so. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of patience for him, um, and I could see an argument where if you're going number one overall, you're like, hey, Will Anderson, we need some help in the front seven, take him, and then make a change somewhere else. Jimmy Garoppolo will be available off his expensive contract so you maybe don't make a trade for him now but yeah. you can probably sign him to a, a, a friendlier deal next year 
So I, I can see that argument. I just want to see like how committed are they? And they Lovey Smith is clearly committed to the guy that he's been committed to all year. Yeah, I I just don't I don't see the point. I don't think Kyle Allen is going to help this team be a winning team. I think at most he would probably help them win a few games, and even then, that's terrible for them because uh, you know that means they get less away from the quarterback that they want. I think. You, so you saw Kyle Allen in, in Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And and he So what you, you just mentioned, you just said that, you know, he he might help the Texans win a couple of games. Davis Mills obviously hasn't done that. We've mm-hmm. talked about how challenging the teams are mm-hmm. coming up. What does Kyle Allen present that Davis Mills doesn't? I mean, I think he just he has flashes like he's won before. Like he like he'll like in Carolina he helped them win, I think three games, if I'm not mistaken. And then he kind of fizzled out because teams were able to figure him out. Like he has a good arm. Like he can, mm-hmm. he can make some throws in some tight windows, but he also makes some boneheaded plays. Uh, he'll throw an interception in a heartbeat and he'll, he'll help you lose the game too. So he can help you win, win and he can help you lose. So, I mean, if, I mean, if you think that he's going to help you improve, he won't help you improve that much. And I think there's a benefit to keeping Davis Mills out there for multiple reasons. One, you hope that he gets better. Two, if you if you're really committed, I, I don't know what they're secretly hoping. Maybe they are secretly hoping right. they're getting quarterback. But if you're really committed to getting quarterback, you hope that Davis Mills plays a little bit better and he's good trade bait for you next year when you do get your quarterback. He's very more he's more more marketable. Um, right, because the argument last year with Tyrod Taylor there was like, why Tyrod Taylor come back after his injury whenever you can use the year to figure out what you have in Davis Mills? Mm -hmm. So now we're in year two of figuring out where the Texans are with Davis Mills. And, you know, it's a new offensive coordinator for sure. So going throughout a whole year would just give them more evidence on that. And it seems like, I guess, you might have the opportunity towards the end of the year, kind of like how they had Davis Mills was playing his best football towards the end of the year. Obviously, He's had some struggles here to begin. Uh, maybe he figures it out towards the end. So they're being they're valuing patience with him for sure. So I don't I don't know. I it's just it's when whenever the things are not working, I'm I'm it's you're seeing patience in a team where I think in the NFL sometimes that doesn't afford it because I mean Pep Hamilton if they don't if they don't produce if they don't win if they don't score his job's in danger mm-hmm. if the offense is as bad as it was last year and you're looking at the staff in totality and how they handle things lovey smith's job is in danger when you look at those things so like you know making changes i wonder how much patience is afforded for this group yeah nick Casario had to know that he didn't build this team to be a playoff team to be a winning team he he had to know he had to know that he was um you know he had one really good receiver and Brandon Cooks and a bunch of other receivers who hadn't proved yet that they can be good. That they, they, they hoped to hope to prove, but hadn't proved. But this was the same conversation last year with David Cauley and Tim Kelly, and they they made the change anyway because they weren't getting productivity out of them. So you're going to go through another staff with with the mindset that they don't have what they have. So they're now another draft, another free agency away from from that group. It's it's that's that'd be odd. Yeah, and is all to look at it. Those, and that and I don't, I don't know that I can totally blame him. You know, you all who have been here longer did mention great points. You know, they were in mm-hmm. a really bad financial situation. Yeah, they're they're in a really bad financial situation. And can't make some moves, but it, it's still it's still true. They don't have a roster to compete. So, 
I don't know how much they can do, but coach the heck out of these players and make them do things that they're they've never shown before in their careers. Um, mm-hmm. And you know that's hard to do. What's What's weird too is that we're looking what Lovey Smith said that on Monday that was really uh, eye opening to me was like that was the worst game they played defensively all year. Mm-hmm. The week after giving up what was it 285 yards on the ground 185 yeah i might be missing 100 on there yeah. but it felt like close to 300 yeah. but they gave up the most points out of the year but we saw so much confusion on the field uh, the chargers used a lot of pre-snap motion they got the looks they wanted players were not in position bad communicative errors and austin eckler scores three touchdowns and he's barely touched in any of the three and this whole season you look at the front seven most of it's the same from the unit last year the common denominator of the players and the defensive coach and that's lovey smith throw through the training camp up to now a lot of the conversation was year two in the system they will know where they need to be they'll be more sound in the scheme and lovey smith said you know it's the scheme is sound and it's the executions the execution's bad so there needs to probably be an overhaul there. If you look at the linebackers, the way that they've played in the last couple of games, there's a lot to be desired there. And Christian Harris, obviously they picked in the third round. Once he becomes available from a hamstring injury, we'll see whether he gets involved as quickly as he could. But is there that much confidence that things will change from a defensive standpoint here for the towards the end of the year? So it's not just wins and losses. They needed to be competitive. Yeah. Um, they're getting close in these games, but a lot of the issues that were there last year remain to be there. Yeah. Um. So th- that needs to be fixed. Yeah. I was looking at that fourth and one play, and I was trying to get Levy to kind of explain it, but since he didn't want to totally explain it, I'll just, you know, say who I think it was. Uh, you know, in that fourth and one play with Justin Herbert rolled out and found Austin Eckler, nobody was guarding him. I looked and I saw Jalen Petrie go down and he might have, mm-hmm. after the game, I asked Jalen Petrie what happened. He said he was guarding his man. He might have been guarding the tight end. Um, yeah. So that, that that's possibly true. Well, if that's true, then Kamu Gruber Hill, his man was Austin Eckler. And he bit down on the run fake. And Austin Eckler was wide open. You know, that, that can't happen with your linebackers. Your linebackers have got to be the guys who are patient and and don't commit. Um, and you've seen a lot of that. I haven't really seen the linebackers really make a lot of impressive plays in recent weeks. And I think that part has been disappointing because, you know, when I came here and, and saw, I was like, oh, okay, you know, Kamu Gruber Hill and Christian Harris. And, you know, they got some nice stats. They look good. And Christian Harris made a nice little play. Um, I think they're in week two, but I just haven't seen them really make. Well, Christian mm-hmm. Harris, I mean, uh, not Christian Harris, I'm sorry. Um, Christian Kersey. And Christian Kersey did make some good plays against the Bears in forcing those interceptions. Um, you know, but it just wasn't there yeah. against the Chargers, and, and Justin Herbert seemed to outplay them. Yeah, Kama Grugier Hill had a lot of tackles for loss for the Texans last year. He was very instinctive in certain situations and pass coverage, along with Christian Kersey. That seems to be their. They're they're the thing they need to work on most. And on that fourth and one, I remember you're 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 looking in a situation where they're probably anticipating run and Grugier Hill does it a lot. He'll creep up to the line, be right there against uh, the center of the guard. Normally he's governed that's basically the first gap, a gap, and he's there pressed up against it. So when 
I think I believe he I believe he stumbled trying to get out of that fourth and one. And there later on in the same capacity, there was another touchdown and he was right there in the A gap as well, up against the line. I don't know if that's his doing or if that's where Levy Smith wants him. Uh but that also are just kind of good play calls by the Chargers to maneuver the defense around to identify, okay, we've got a space over here and there's no way that if that person bites on anything, he has to see this perfectly in order to make up ground. And that that's, that's, that's what happened repetitively with that. So I'm interested. And I was wondering what Lovey Smith's philosophy was on just guarding against that. He, and he, he didn't really dive much into it other than saying, you know, you move, you move a man over. So Desmond King's the one that moves over. That means whoever's remaining has responsibilities that just weren't there. So I, I, this was a problem the team last year. The Bills did this to them a ton of times, and other teams seeing that did the same thing. Justin Reed, former safety, would talk about that a lot. So those issues still remain. So uh, I, it'll have to be new players, I think, Jonathan. I mean, there's people on the injured reserve that might soon come off. That's going to be an interesting conversation. Who would be someone that they would think would work for them on the defense? Uh, they're going to go play Trevor Lawrence, former number one overall pick with the Jaguars. Maybe they think it's their pass rush. I think Mario Addison's probably getting close to being ready. He was very productive as a pass rusher. And it's funny, most of his best work has come after he turned 30, had seven sacks last year, has had 10 since the last four years. Um, and he could help get there. They really didn't get to Herbert that much with a four-man rush that often. Um, so maybe it's him. Maybe it's Tavier Thomas to help out in the secondary, although I think they've played very well and King has done really well as a slot corner. I don't know if Christian Harris is really ready to go yet. So, I mean... Yeah, he's got a long way to go. He hasn't played since the beginning of training camp. So, I don't see him. You going. would see a situation where he probably comes in they designate him for return and even practice for a couple of weeks before they activate him. That would probably be his track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I just don't, I don't see where the improvement immediately is for this team. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be one of those players. Cause you know, they're not signing any big time players. They don't have the money to do that. And so far we hadn't seen much improvement. I would like to see, I don't know what the Texans have to do to get, or maybe it's both the Texans coaching staff and Brandon Cooks, but I would like to see uh, Brandon Cooks get involved in, in a little bit more different, um, get him the ball in different situations, uh, maybe in the slot, maybe get him, I don't know, out and ended around, but I think you got to, he's one of your best playmakers and they, they did, they were a little bit more purposeful that he had a, a good amount of targets and I think seven yeah, catches. Had, yeah. He had more catches than he did the previous two games. Yep. And he had that big touchdown pass where it looked like Mills was just throwing all his frustration at him. Yeah. And uh it was a good catch, good route. Um I thought I thought, you know, using Collins the way they did, obviously those are those two drives where I think the 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 coverage was just different. And I don't know if they're getting those looks the rest of the way of the game or if they're really checking to that. It's I, I again I think that goes back to how the offense is used and I mean, Damian Pierce had 14 carries, um, a lot of that out of their run-heavy packages, and those just aren't typically what you're going to see them push the ball out of. So, I don't know, man. Um, they've they've got to figure that that that's 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 going to be a problem coming up. And the Jaguars, they've fixed their 
uh, run defense. They're the best in the NFL. Mm. So Damian Pierce, after running for 134 yards, is now going to face a team that will probably significantly stop him. So this could be be a potentially bruising week for the Texans. Yeah. Yeah, Peterman is a really good – you know, I think I think the Jaguars, they definitely I, – I knew they had the talent, you know, on their team to kind of compete. It was just a matter of, you know, Urban Meyer, <laughs> their coach. Um, but they, Yeah, they should not have been as bad yeah, as they yeah, were Yeah, yeah, their coach was just a train wreck last year. And Peterson, I think, is a good coach who I thought got terminated a little bit early from the Eagles when he was there. And now he has these guys, you know, kind of ascending. And I saw Trevor Lawrence play in college and – you know, covered him a little bit, a few of his games, and uh-huh. he's he's got some not, he's got some ability that a lot of guys don't have. So this is going to be a tough game for the Texans, and it I the Texans would have to play one of their best games to beat the the Jaguars the way they're playing. And the thing, you know, you look at uh, I, I think it's really important to highlight that the Jaguars did what the Texans are probably going to do next. Offseason, they spent the most out of any other team, mm-hmm. um, and they, I mean, they, I think they may, uh, pr- it might prove out to be that they might have overpaid a few guys, but I mean, you think about Christian Kirk, the impact he's having on the offense, um, their their linebacker situation, um, Aluakin, he was from the Falcons, he was a leading uh, tackler in the NFL last year. Um, they 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 boosted a lot on the offensive line, also using that money. And then they had their number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence. Um, if the Texans keep up this way, they're going to have the best of both of that going into next year. So the Jaguars, if you're Texans fans, I know they're still in your AFC South division, but they represent how quickly things can turn. And that also comes with coaching. too, And quarterbacking. So, and quarterbacking. So... A lot of those conversations. We got 14 games left, Jonathan. I mean, <laughs> we got. I mean, we're both kind of spent after producing some work, and you know, appreciate um, reading. Uh, you know, we appreciate you guys reading all that stuff, and we will have more for you this week and all this to come, and uh, really put into context. And there's some good stories through these teams, some players, and um, that are really interesting. And uh, there's a lot going on in the future of this organization. So, um, you know, 14 games. See if the Texans are remain to be competitive. 